yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The facts of yesterday and today speak for themselves. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That clip was from President Roosevelt's famous address to the nation after the attack on Pearl Harbor in December 1941. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, September 27th. And while I've talked over the past few weeks about possible black swan events that might change the direction of Americans' political trajectory, like a possible invasion of Taiwan or escalation of the Russia-Ukraine war, we've yet to see a moment like the attack on Pearl Harbor, which dramatically changed American and global politics back in 1941. Instead, this week has been a sign that we are just stuck in the ongoing struggle back and forth of this moment. We're seeing ongoing divisive electoral battles, but few major developments or changes. Broadly speaking, it's a week that just shows signs of continued divisions in our current government. So a couple things to look at. First, uh, last night, congressional leaders released a stopgap funding proposal intending to avert government shutdown and provide $12 billion more in aid to Ukraine. The Senate's supposed to take a crucial test vote today on whether they can pass this package, which must pass by Friday before the federal government faces a default on its spending. The big controversy is Senator Chuck Schumer has included a energy measure into this must-pass bill. This is actually a, fulfilling a promise they made privately to Joe Manchin in exchange for his vote last month on the party's major climate and tax bill. But you've got both Democratic and Republican leaders who have said that they are not going to vote for passing the spending bill as long as it has those energy measures to expedite pipeline approvals. And likely what that means, if the vote fails as expected today, likely they'll have to strip out that uh, energy proposal and try to pass it again on its own to avoid a shutdown at the end of the week. And just the sign that every time we are now at the moment of needing to pass a budget, the only way we do is with the pressure of a perhaps a shutdown is a major example of how dysfunctional and polarized our congressional system has become in this moment. We saw another yesterday where Senator Kristen Sinema was out at the McConnell Center at the University of Louisville, Kentucky, named after Senator Mitch McConnell, who was in attendance when she was defending the filibuster, an event uh, there. She talked about how it has, in her opinion, produced durable solutions for ordinary Americans. And she's calling to continue the filibuster and actually to reinstate it for judicial and executive nominations as well. You know, there have been incredible pressure on her and on Manchin to overturn the filibuster or to make additional exemptions around appointing judges or moving forward particular pieces of voting legislation. They have both resisted. And with a 50-50 split in the Senate, it has just kept things from passing. Otherwise, we're seeing that jury selection begins today in the trial for members of the Oath Keepers, far-right militia that was 
deeply involved in the January 6th Capitol attack and has been charged with seditious conspiracy, keeping the kind of investigations into January 6th right in the public eye. And we got a reminder from Montana about the importance of state Supreme Courts. You know, I've talked about these many times over the last few months, but most recently the Montana Supreme Court blocked two new laws that would have really been blows against electoral independence and freedom in Montana. One would have eliminated election day registration, making it harder to vote, and the other would have made really much more strict the state's voter ID laws. It would have limited the types of IDs that were accepted for voting, and it would have eliminated the ability for a voter who didn't have an ID to cast a provisional ballot that would be counted if their signature matches the one on file. So the Supreme Court has blocked both of those of going into effect. Litigation continues about the final fate of them, but it does mean that neither one will impact the midterm elections. And actually, the elections for the Montana Supreme Court themselves are on the ballot, uh, potentially shifting the balance of power in that court. It's one of several facing elections this November that could change the balance of key courts. Also looking at North Carolina, Ohio, Michigan. So these state Supreme Courts are ever more important, especially in this kind of hyper-partisan and logjam moment that we are living through right now. Um, But this is a quick update, not a whole lot of new developments this week. So that's what I've got to tell you about developments in American democracy. I look forward to talking with you again next week, though hopefully we'll have some new and bigger updates then. Until then, take care. I'm Jason Franklin, and thank you for listening.